Good morning. Wow, y'all pretty chipper for 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. I just want you back row girls to know that the, the light was shining down right on y'all. Angelic back there. <laughs> I'm talking about the next, the second row up, not the very back. <laughs> anyway, I'm glad you guys are here. It's cold enough today to be inside where it's nice and warm. I'm glad we put those new heating system in. Nice and warm here. I remember last year we came in one day and we had electric heaters all over the place. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, watch the fire marshal come to church today. <laughs> but anyway, thanks for your giving so that we can all be uh, warm together. We're continuing our series today, Rebuild. Last month we discovered that our true identity and purpose is only found in a fully committed relationship with Jesus Christ. I think it's probably uh, one of the most key series that uh, we've done in a long time around uh, Salem Fields was our identity series. But our goal for this series is to start rebuilding our identity on who we are in Christ so that we can rebuild His church here at Salem Fields and around the world. You know, uh, the, the truth of the matter is that <clears throat> once we, we have to rebuild our identity, if we've had our identity focused on our jobs, our, our careers, our money, um, on our labels, and we learn that our, our identity is in Christ, then we need to start rebuilding our identity. And that is the goal for this series. Our key verse is found in 1 Peter chapter 2, and it says, And now you have become living building stones for God's use in building His house. As we said, uh, talked last week, if you were here, we, we re, uh, reviewed our series from last year on Rebuild. And last year's series was centered around basically bricks and mortar, rebuilding the bricks and mortar, rebuilding the things that had fallen apart here, you know, like our our heating and air conditioning I spoke of, our projectors, our computers were all, uh, you know, they were really old and, and needed to be rebuilt and updated. And, and our student ministry, we needed to refocus and rebuild some areas there. And as well as a church in Smithfield that God had gifted us with. And all those things that we did last year and continue to do, we got, still have work to be done in, in the area of bricks and mortar. But all those things that we focused on last year were about bricks and mortar and other things and so uh, uh, so that we could continue to do what we do at Salem Fields and that is uh, to rebuild people and families here and around the world in the years to come. You know this building and, and all the things that we have added over the last year will serve the church uh, to serve the mission that God has given us. Now we know that now that we know that our identity is in Christ, uh, we need to know that we, have, we are the living stones. Peter says we are the building stones, the living building stones. Now at this series, we're going to focus on us as people being the living stones that Christ wants to use in building His church. The Bible says, Jesus says, I will build my church. And He wasn't talking about projectors because He wasn't talking about computers or air conditioning systems. He was talking about People, you and I, and those that are in our community that don't know Christ. And then Peter says, See, I am sending Christ to be the carefully chosen, precious cornerstone of my church, and I will never disappoint those who trust in him. And he's saying, Once we fully commit our lives to Christ and we make him the cornerstone of our lives, we can, under, we can fully believe and trust in him that he will never disappoint us. 
We put our thing, our identity in lots of things, and many of those things have disappointed us and fallen apart and crumbled around us and left us hanging. But in ancient buildings, building practices, the cornerstone was the principal stone uh, that was placed at the, at the, at the strongest, most uh, uh, weight-bearing place uh, in the building, at the corner of the structure. The cornerstone was usually one of the largest and, and most solid and the most carefully constructed stone in any of, of the structure. And Jesus describes himself as the cornerstone that his church would be built upon. A unified body of believers, both Jew and Gentile. And Jesus, in a conversation with Peter, says, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. As I was thinking and meditating on this verse, and uh, you know, I, I've tried ever since that uh, I've started speaking, uh, tried my very best to always preach in context and make sure that I didn't uh, share anything that really was out of context. It really wasn't what the original uh, meaning of the scripture was. But there comes a time in that, that I think the word, the Bible says the word is, is um, alive and, and, and well and sharper than a two-edged sword and, and it becomes organic. And, and as I was beginning to focus on that passage of Scripture, because this has been a very difficult week and a very difficult um, message to, to prepare and, and speak about, as I began to meditate and, and think on that verse uh, with, uh, without straying from the context I really believe that this scripture is saying to us that it says many things to us, but one of the things that just wouldn't leave my mind was that Peter discovered who he was in Christ. It was at that moment when Jesus says, who do you say I am? And Peter says that you are the rock, you know, that, and, and that you are the Christ, the Messiah. And Jesus tells him, Peter, uh, I tell you, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church and I think it was Peter who discovered who he was in Christ and that his purpose was to be a living stone. He might have not realized at that moment, but, but his purpose was to be a living stone that Jesus was going to use to build his church. And we certainly know that Peter was used in building the early church and that he was a living stone. So it's on this cornerstone, uh, Jesus, that, that we want to rebuild our identity in Christ, so the church, uh, the community of people at Salem Fields Community Church can be the living stones that God will use to build his church, that God will use to, to build his church to reach the world. Therefore, what better way to start this series than talking about the church, the community of saints, and, and how important the church is in rebuilding our identity in Christ. And the best place to get a picture of the community that Christ desired is to look at the early church in Acts chapter 2. I've chosen to talk about Acts chapter 2 verses 42 through 47 and it says this, the community continually committed themselves to learning what the apostles taught them. They continually gathering for fellowship, breaking bread and praying. We do donuts here instead of bread. Everyone felt a sense of awe because the apostles were doing many signs and wonders among them. There was an intense sense of togetherness among all who believed. They shared all their material possessions and trusts. 
they sold any possessions and good that did not benefit the community and used the money to help everyone in need. They were unified as they worshiped at the temple day after day. In homes, they broke bread and shared meals with glad and generous hearts. The new disciples praised God and they enjoyed the goodwill of the people of the city. Day after day, the Lord added to their number everyone who was experiencing liberation. And I used the uh, the message uh, for the translation from, from the early church. We learned that the we learned that the uh, Christian community is simply sharing a common life in Christ. That the one thing when we have nothing else in common, the one thing we have in common is we have a life in Christ. And, and, and the community is simply sharing a common life in Christ. It's larger than living a self-centered, me-first life as the culture of our day promotes. Our culture is all about me and all about self-centered. And, and, but in the community, the church, it, it's larger than the living, a living self-centered, me-first life. The biblical idea of community challenges us to commit ourselves to, to life together as the people of God for the common good of, our, the common good of others. It's to commit ourselves to life together as people of God for the common good. Not just for my good, not just for what I need, but it's for the common good of all of us. The common good of others in our church and the common good of others in our community and, and in Smithfield and around the world. You see, in community we learn, uh, we, we learn that to discover and grow in our identity in Christ that we need others. If we're going to rebuild our identity in Christ, we got to realize that even though the world says that, that we can do it on our own to be independent, to take care of yourself, to be self-centered, it's all about me. The New Testament church is teaching us that if we're going to find our true identity in Christ, I need you. And unfortunately, you need me. We need each other. We need to be in community. And therefore, God built a church. And, and started the early church. It's in community that we live out the each others, uh, the one another's, the each others that the New Testament teaches like love one another. It's in the church that we learn to love one another, forgive each other, regard each other more highly than yourselves, teach each other, encourage each other, pray for each other, and bear each other's burdens. That's the common good. That's the common good of the person next to you, the person sitting behind you. Be friends with one another. Kind, compassionate, being generous. Serve one another. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And the list goes on and on and on and on. But each other is lived out in community and that we need each other to rebuild our identity in Christ and to grow in the fullness of Christ as we live, live these out in community we will help others know Jesus. As we live out this right here in this place, those one another's, as we live out those and we discover our identity and rebuild our identity in Christ and we grow up in Christ by submitting and committing our lives to him and live these out together, we will help others in our community know Jesus and we'll share hope with everyone everywhere. You see, now to make it uh, uh, to, to make it more um, reliable, make it more uh, um, understandable, 
are relevant to our culture today. I just want to share a story I read about a young man who wrote a letter to a local church and he, is, he was wondering what their theological opinion was on Christian community. And he said it's a term that's been thrown around a lot in my, in my circles lately. And to be honest, he said, what I see in churches is not much different from what I see on the TV show Cheers, or even less than that. He said, I mean, Christian community is considered uh, shaking hands and asking uh, your church friends how that week went and singing a couple songs, taking an offering, sitting down and listening to preaching, and then going home. And I can tell you, if that's all this Sunday morning experience is in your life, then you will never really discover what it's like to live in community and really discover who you are in Christ because the church is meant for much more than for us to show up today uh, and say, wow, I made it today and it's daylight savings time and pat ourselves on the back and say, I've been here and go home and come back next week maybe or watch it online or do whatever we do then we missed it. And I ask you, how's that any different than going to the bar? How's that any different than going to the bar and seeing familiar faces over a couple of beers and, and, and that's what the young man asked and I think that's a great question. How's that much different? And so I hope to answer that today with uh, talking about the TV show Cheers. Uh, Cheers first aired about 25 years ago, and it's still popular in, in reruns. People are still watching it. There are probably some of you that when the show comes on, you know exactly what, they're what the show's about. You probably can even say some of the words that the characters say before they say it. You know, I've watched SpongeBob uh, with Christian, my youngest grandson, and we would sit there, and he would tell me the words before they came out of their mouth. One time when he was just a little old guy, we were coming home from a fishing trip, he told me a whole SpongeBob episode. <laughs> I'm thinking, good gracious. I mean... I don't know why I got off on that, but it just amazes me every time. And I, I guess I'm thinking so. You probably could do that with cheers. I don't know. Uh, but it was filmed in Boston. If you've never seen it, it was in a bar. And it showed, a, it, the show featured a cast of offbeat characters. I mean, they were, they were different. And he gathered, uh, they gathered at the bar every day after work to fellowship and share community, to tell war stories, to tell a few jokes, to blow off some steam, and to sympathize with one another. And each week, millions of people tuned in to watch Sam and Diane and Rebecca and Carla and Norm and Sam and Cliff and Dr. Fraser Crane and Woody, and they'd sit around and talk about their joys and their sorrows, their victories and their defeats, their good times and their bad times, their problems at home and their dreams for the future. That was the, that was the whole of the show. I mean, it doesn't sound very profound. Yet cheers, uh, cheers touch something deep, which I think is something deep within inside of each of all of us. And it touched in the hearts of American public. Each week in their own quirky way, the characters talked about life as we watched and we listened. Their theme song kind of sums up what most of us are looking for in life. Making a way in the world today takes everything you got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? 
Sometimes you wanna go where everybody knows your name And they're always glad you came You wanna be where you can see the troubles are all the same You wanna be where everybody knows your name Cause you wanna go where people know You want to be where you can see that, that troubles are all the same. You want to be where everyone knows your name. Do, do you ever wonder why so many people are pulled into the neighborhood bar? Chuck Swindoll in his book, Encourage Me, he answered it this way. He said, the neighborhood bar is possibly the best counterfeit there is for the community Christ wants us to have in his church. It's an imitation, dispensing liquor instead of grace, escape rather than reality, but it is permissive, accepting, inclusive community. The bar is unshockable, it's democratic, you can tell people secrets and they usually don't tell others or even want to. The bar flourishes not because most people are alcoholics, but because God has put in the human heart the desire to know and be known, to love and be loved. And so many seek a counterfeit at the price of a few beers. A few weeks ago, I experienced community in a bar. How do you like that? Well, we have a guy that goes to our church and he has a great burden for his friends and his friends hangs out at the bar down at, um, I can never think of that bar's name, thank goodness, Durango's. How'd y'all know? <laughs> y'all see me down there? <laughs> but Mark and I went down one day because Joe had a burden for his friends and we went in that bar and I'll tell you one thing, I felt something in there that I thought, wow, no wonder. No wonder people come to the bar and I didn't drink. I wanted to. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, I think. <laughs> but, I mean, we gathered around pool tables. There's two pool tables there, and about 20 people gathered around, and they gave prayer requests, and they cried together, and they were concerned about one another, and Joe was concerned about his friends. And we had community around that pool table praying. And I prayed for them. They told their prayer requests. I was just going to pray. And they, I said, anybody have prayer requests? And everybody around that pool table had prayer requests. And, I, and Mark and I'm trying to remember them. Because everybody's looking. Everybody's looking for what's supposed to happen when we sit here. We show up here on Sunday morning. You see, because God has put that in all of our hearts. You know, I believe that Christ wants his church to be a community where people can come in and say, I'm done, man. I'm beat up. I'm worn out. I've had it. I can't take anymore. And that's what we need. That's, that's what we want the people in our community, we, what the people in our community desperately needs. That's what those people over that, at that bar desperately needs. I probably ought to go over there every Sunday morning and do church. But that's what our community desperately needs and they can't seem to find it. A spiritual oasis, a place where people can find relief, a place where people who truly love each other, a, a place where they can connect with God and with people who, who will help them on their journey, a place to know God and a place to find hope. 
to be the kind of place that no matter what kind of week you had, no matter where you spent last night, no matter how bad you screwed up, you could come in and say, ah, ah, I'm at home here. That's the kind of place that Gay and I created at Salem Fields Community Church to be. And I can tell you, over the years, you got to fight for that. you got to fight for that. The question is, where, where do you go in a time of crisis or, or in a time of celebration for that matter? And the answer for nearly all of us is we go where we have friends. We go to people who know us best and love us the most. So many people today hunger for close relationships and for friendships that last longer than a night on the town or a one night stand or a Sunday morning handshake at church. You want to be where you can see that troubles are all the same. You want to be where everyone knows your name. So people turn to bars. Can you blame them? They turn to clubs, to parties, and neighborhood groups, and softball teams, and baseball teams, football teams, and bowling leagues, and gyms, and spas, and swim teams, Facebook, and Twitter, and all those other dot-com sites, hoping to find a place to call home, to do life with. Vince Packard calls America a nation of strangers. He says, everywhere you look, there are signs that people are hungering for community, a sense of family. And you, I know you, that you know this, but that you, you do know that Budweiser commercials don't sell beer, right? They sell community. No one has ever shown drinking alone, always in the context of enjoying each other's company. In the old beer ad that used to say, life doesn't get any better than this. People long to be connected. So here's my thoughts on the issue and, uh, of community. And I, I don't have a whole lot of, my, of thoughts, but I do think that deep down inside, there's not been a single thing that I've said today that you don't already agree with. I think you know deep down inside how important this is in your life, and you know how important it is in the lives of the people sitting next to you. I even believe that every single person in here, if you're not experiencing it, that's what you want in life, and that's what you're looking in life, and that's what you're desperately trying to find. And I, I think we'd all like to have that place where everybody knows your name and shares the same victories and troubles, a place to take a break from all your worries. That sure would help out a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you, you want to go where everyone know, everybody knows your name and there's always they're always glad to see you. You want to be where people are happy for you. You want to go where everybody knows your name. And God designed the church to be that place. But here's the problem. When the church becomes that and the church becomes the community that Jesus wants it to be, it grows and it gets larger. And then people begin to say, wow, nobody knows my name here. But think about that, you know, think about that as a church gets big, they can do bigger things for God. But we need to be small so everybody can know your name. And that's where, that's why every one of us that could benefit from being in a small group, a significant group where someone knows your name. And for the life of me, I can't understand why we choose to wake up every morning feeling horrible with a hangover rather than going to a small group where people know your name and love you and it doesn't cost you a dime. Bless you. The Bible teaches us that we are one body in Christ and Romans says we belong to each other and each of us need all the others. Now what I want you to do is stand up, okay? Everybody just stand up just for a minute.
Now I want you to lean over and I want you to tell the next, the person next to you, you need me. Now I want you to tell you, I want you to tell the second choice that they need you too. You need me too. And every time you said that, you're telling, you're, that's what the scripture says. The person beside of you needs you and you need them. And we need to do community together, no matter what our culture, no matter what our society is trying to tell us today. And I have people tell me, I will tell you, I don't need anybody. And I can tell you, you will never find your true identity in Christ and be all that he wants you to be. And the church will never be all that we want the church and God desires the church to be until we live that out and find a way to where we can be in community. You can sit down as I get off my soapbox. <laughs> and that happens best in small groups. What is a small group? A small group, it's a, a small group is a small group of people who commit to life together centered around God's word to pray for one another, to support one another, to laugh with one another, to cry with one another. Back about eight years ago, do you know exactly how long ago, Anthony? Eight years ago or so, I started a small group because my grandson came to me and said, Pappy, why don't we do a small group? I did a small group because we do what our grandkids want. And we started a small group and we had Anthony and three or four other guys and we met every Saturday afternoon in that little room where you walk in and go to the fourth and fifth grade room. We met there every Saturday, one o'clock, two o'clock, but nearly every Saturday. They wanted it more than I did. They were more faithful to it than I wanted to be many times. And when I had to take off, uh, I would, they wanted Gay to lead the group. And so uh, Gay would come in, she led it first, and then they, now they want her more than they want me. And, <laughs> and, and so we kind of transitioned it from the church as, they, as the guys got older and some left the church. And, um, and, and we just started adding people along the way and, and a group came to be in, in our home and Gay and I lead the group together. And Christian, you know, he's gone and he's living in Richmond and he's leading his own group and he couldn't ask for more, but I still like to have him in our group. And so it just came into being what it is today and it's a good thing and Gay and this group's going to talk about it. It has evolved and this is our small group. We've got girls in it, right? Another girl joined me. Um, Tone said, I feel like a deacon setting up here. <laughs> I said, when we go to Nigeria and India, this is how it works. They, they prop us up in front. Anyway, this is our small group, and uh, it has evolved through the years, and this is kind of where we're at right now. Usually what we do is just take a book of the Bible, and each person leads one week. And uh, we've this time been sending out questions at the middle of the week. And then we get together at 5.30 on Fridays. And I, I sometimes think they come because we eat. There's food. Buddy cooks for us. And that's always a good deal. So uh, we get to choose our food too, right? And, uh, but we, we do life together, you know? And so I, I just thought that we'd give you a little snapshot of our group. We've just had... Kevin, join us recently. Hey, say hey to Kevin. Hey, Kevin. 
Diego uh, met him at school and uh, invited him to our group. And of course, he asked our group first, can we uh, bring someone in? We said, of course. So Kevin came and he's joined us a couple of times. Kevin is just exploring his faith and he says, what is all this about? And I just asked him coming on the stage, are you going to be back here? And he said, well, I don't know, but he'll be back to small group. I know that. <laughs> but anyway, I just wanted to ask these guys, let you hear from them. Um, you guys, you can just go in any order you want, but just tell them what value small group has in your life. Well, for me, um, I'd like to start off by saying that um, it added a lot of value to my life as in, in the sense that it gave me a lot of wisdom and um, it gave me a, a stronger, um, I guess, yeah, it gave me a good passion for like uh, wanting to walk with Christ even more because I, I know that I have my uh, fellow brothers and sisters that I could rely on to hold me accountable for uh, the acts that I do. Um, for me, it um, impacts my life in um, more of a way spiritually and also um, relationally. My brother was one of the OGs that started in the group, and um, it's cool that they're the same age as him, so I kind of look to them as like my brothers, and um, it's like we're all around each other, um, championing each other on to kind of run the race, um, living for Christ, and um, we just encourage each other and um, the sense of unity that we've developed and um, just the influence that comes out of it is really what matters. Um, I find value in uh, having those relationships that are contingent upon building and growing and shaping and molding a, a Christ-like life. And I really, really was searching for that, what, when I was 10, I guess. Um, I grew up sheltered and stayed away from people because I didn't know what I wanted. I always thought what I said was wrong. I had questions. And when I asked, it was, that's the way it is, you know? So I really desired and, and wanted a, a group of people that wanted what I wanted, and that was a relationship with Christ. And uh, small groups was where I got directed. And uh, it's a beautiful thing because you get to be around a community of people that are wanting to do the same thing as you, and that's grow spiritually. And I find value in that. Um. Like Pastor Gay mentioned, uh, I'm still just exploring my faith, and that's why I sought out Diego, and I asked to, you know, start this start this journey, and that's why it's the most benefit that I've got from it is sitting in a room with people who are so much more, you know, learned than I am in this, and being able to pick their brains and having them uh, pick mine and just trading back and forth and we all get so much out of it and having that and having the insights and thoughts that come along with it it's it's refreshing it's refreshing and it's really refreshing having them too they're just so real so honest um, and uh, it, it's just wonderful um, you can have an opportunity to be in a small group as well. We've got a table that you can sign up. We have taken a break from our Galatians study, and we're doing the Rebuild series like we're hoping that all of you are doing. Last week, the material that we had 
we, we had an incredible discussion, and Kevin added, added so much because it helps us, those of us that have been believers for a while, to have questions that we need to answer that we don't always get to answer about our relationship with Christ. And so it's been very challenging and very um, uh, exciting to be able to have all the different ex uh, perspectives. So we've uh, got the material for you. It's just very short term and uh, doesn't require a whole lot of you. And that's what I wanted to ask you guys. Is it tough for you to make that kind of commitment? Because each week it rolls around again. And I know that there are a lot of things uh, that you could do instead of that. But you choose to do this. I've been in it for like eight years. So that, it's not difficult for me. I don't know about y'all. Yeah, um, in the beginning it was a little tough, um, but stepping into something new is always, you know, kind of like a shot in the dark. You don't know what you're going to get into. Um, but once, you know, we got in the groove of it, Sundays are just part of my life now. So got my good after church nap and then going to small group. Yeah, for me, I don't even think about, like, uh, it being an inconvenience for me. I mean, I do have, like, a lot of stuff I could be doing instead of going to small group, but I always keep it a priority for me. Yeah, um, I don't actually live in Fredericksburg anymore, so it's very much back and forth between these two cities. But every t So I come through every weekend, and now it's very much routine to stop in and check in with these guys. Um, and as it, as it goes on, it'll get easier to do. It's a huge effort for him, and uh, but we want him because he brought cookies last time. <laughs> Homemade cookies that he and his mom made, and they were really, really good. Pastor, do you just want me for my baked goods? Yes, I do. Could you bring them again today? <laughs> so, you can. So one more thing. See how excited I get? Uh, I like cookies. <laughs> so uh, if you guys could uh, just quickly, and then we'll move on, just tell people out here, what would be one reason you would give them to join a small group, even though it's kind of scary uh, it's something that takes commitment. What's one reason you would give to say to them, join a small group? You get insight from other people on uh, their perspective of, um, I guess, walking through with Christ. If you want to grow deeper um, and feel like you're not by yourself, join a small group. If you want to grow spiritually and better understand what it means to be in a relationship with Christ, and just interpret the word in another way that you really wouldn't understand, get into a small group. To follow what Tone said, it's, it is about an insight of your relationship with Christ, and more to the point, it's a conversation, and it's fluid, and it's constantly going back and forth, and when it rebounds around the room like that, when that thought jumps from person to person, all things all good things come from that. We go ahead. You can give him a hand. Oh, that was Nora. We really do need each other. Here's the thing that ties in with our identity series and with what we're talking about today. There is there is a part of you that you will never know unless you connect with other people in the body of Christ. There's a part of you that you will never know because God designed us to be able to know who we are in the context of who he is. And as we learn to know who he is, and that's the uh, love God with all your heart, but love others 
as you love yourself. We can only do that in the context of one another. So that's what's happening in our group, along with a lot of other wonderful things. I encourage you to, to get in a group. Well, there's a, have, have you seen Ice Age? There's a clip of a little band of uh, characters that have come together with a common mission that are kind of a, a, just a silly little group. You know, let me say what this is. It's a saber-toothed tiger, and they had, the saber-toothed tigers had attacked the mammoths. You guys seen this? Yeah, <laughs> wasn't that cute? And this mother and baby attempt to outrun these man-eating beasts cornered at a waterfall. And then you have these three characters. The mammoth is called? Mammy? Mammy? Oh, Manny. And uh, then there's Sid the... And... Diego! <laughs> and they come together with a common goal. Watch this. Well, would you look at that. The tiger actually did it. There's Half Peak. Next stop, Glacier Pass. How could I ever have doubted you? Did you hear that little fella? You're almost home. <laughs> My feet are sweating. Do we have to get a news flash every time your body does something? Doing it for attention, just ignore them. Seriously, my feet are really hot. Oh, 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 oh. Tell me that was your stomach. Shh. I'm sure it was just thunder from underground. I wish I could jump like that. Wish granted. Ah! <laughs> Come on, move faster. That's what you do in a herd. You look out for each other. Well, thanks. I don't know about you guys, but we are the weirdest herd I've ever seen. See, that's what you do in a herd. You look for, out for each other, right? That's what we're called to do. That's what God has called the body of Christ to do.
We really do need to learn our love one another's with each other, our forgive one another's. That's why Buddy and I created the kind of place where you could just come and be who you are and rip off church face and not have to be something that we're not. Buddy and I are still learning that even with each other. But we strive every day to be real and to be authentic and to be a place where you can be you and we will be us and we're going to love each other anyway. We're just a weird kind of herd around here at Salem Fields Community Church. We're a mix of all different kinds of people, young and old, um, rich and poor, um, spiritually poor, spiritually mature, what, whatever. We're just a, a weird mix. But that doesn't really matter. We all have something in common. We're all just trying to do this Christian thing. We're all just trying to search spiritually. We're all just trying to be known and to know each other. We all have a lot in common, you know, and that's really where we try to connect. And sometimes uh, that may look a little strange to the world, and sometimes that may look a little tough. And as leaders, you may see us fall, and you may see us in ways, but, you know, that's just who we are. We're human. We always said we're never going to let you put us on a pedestal because it hurts when you fall off of that thing, and so we're not going to climb up there at all. So don't you do that to us, but we always are going to point you to the one that we do need to keep our eyes on, and that's Jesus. And really, this should be the safest place that any of us have to come to love one another. We all really need to have each other's back. We just do. And so I hope that you're enjoying uh, a small group. You know, we're just not going to be able to uh, build our life and our identity on the rock the way that God designed unless we have opportunity with each other. People like my small group that says, you know, it's other people that kind of have the same things. They're searching for the same things. And uh, we're going to have each other's backs. So if you're in a small group, would you stand up, please? Good. Well, I can see there are a lot of others that need to learn the one another. So you can stand up. Yeah, that's okay. You can sit down. Um, well, oh, you want to sit back down? You want, you want more, huh? <laughs> Go ahead, everybody stand up. Because I want someone in a small group to give me a big amen. amen. All right. That's good. So let's stand together. And that's what the band's going to lead us in. You're not alone. Don't be alone. Put your hands together. Can I get an amen? You are not alone if you feel lonely. When you feel afraid, you're not the only. We are all the same in need of mercy.
Learn to be connected to the other. We give you all the glory and praise. And all the people said? Amen. All right. Visit the table out there. Rich is our small groups pastor. He wants to sign you up very short term just for the next couple of weeks. It's powerful. See you next week. And all the people said amen.